Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome back to the game for the 2021 22 season. Loads to look forward to. Today, we catch up on what we've missed as we focused in on the Euros, of course. It was great, but loads has happened today. Harry Kane gets set for a showdown talks with his boss, Nuno Espirito Santo at Spurs. We'll ask, is Jack Grealish worth £100 million? What about Lionel Messi's tears? Barcelona are falling apart and Inter Milan are following close behind. All of that and more to come on today's episode of The Game. To help me through it all, Alison Rudd, Gregor Robertson and Tom Roddy. How are you all? Nice to see you reunited. That's how it feels anyway for me. How are you? <laughs> Good, Hugh. We missed you, Hugh. Oh, thank you. I missed you, you all You all too. look exactly the same. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm, shred- <laughs> I'm shredded under this. What do you mean? It's been a transformational summer for me. I'm joking, of course. Um, have you all enjoyed the summer? You know, journalists don't get much of a break. It's been the Olympic Games. There's been tennis as well. Hasn't there? We all rested, recuperated. Alison? Yeah. No, I'm still trying to work out. Well, I, I think I have worked it out, actually, why... The games, the Olympic Games, which I was dreading, were actually massively successful. Even when they showed clips of, you know, the child, the, the crowd cheering at 2012, you think, oh, why are they doing that? They're just, you know, they're just showing you what we're missing. It actually didn't matter. It was, it's because of the intimacy, I think, and the personal journey of each athlete. It meant that you could enjoy it in a different way that wasn't. Um, detrimental. So I, that was a really nice surprise for me that the Olympic Games weren't a mess. <laughs> Tom, what are the country's premier sports journalists do to, to unwind during the summer? I, we could get some on to, to, to ask. But pretty much, um, I mean, I, I, I found this summer funny because even from the very beginning, it was such a long season last year. And I thought, oh, the Euros, now it's suddenly the Euros because it came so soon after the Champions League final. But soon, very quickly got excited about that. And then then the Olympics comes along straight away after that. And I thought, oh, not sure about this. But like Alison said, you sort of get lost it's the, it's the stories, the individual stories that pulled you in. And, and even then, I mean, I rem- we were talking about, I remember West Ham having a pre-season, first pre-season friendly, which I think was during the Euros. And you think, wow, the new season's getting going again. But with the transfers that have happened so far this summer and are happening, it just makes, I'm, I can't wait to see this one get started now. Re-energise, Gregor? Uh, but, in a two-week holiday, I quickly came to realise that work with with having a, a an 11-week-old baby, work will now be my rest and recuperation. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I miss my holiday. <laughs> well, hopefully, 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 it's not too bad for you. You'll be travelling up and down the country very soon. And I'm sure you'll want to be at home at that point anyway. But um, listen, one person at the moment who maybe isn't ready 
to run into the new season with all the same motivation and desire as you guys is Harry Kane. Let's just recap his situation. He wasn't at training last Monday, a week ago. All media outlets then reported for five days that he had failed to show up. Maybe that he was a one-to-way striker striking himself. Um, It turned out he was on his way back from the Bahamas. Uh, He was still in Florida. Well, I I thought that was unfair then that all the the papers were questioning his professionalism, but it did take all week to get a response from him. Nothing from Spurs, really. And in that time, fans were saying he had to honour the last three years of his six-year contract. Some were calling him a traitor. And I just thought when Friday, a statement finally arrived saying he'd be back at training at the weekend and it was always the plan. I mean, you can try and get one over me most times, but sorry, I'm not falling for this one, Harry. Um, He said it didn't want to jeopardise his relationship with the fans and he would never refuse to train. You know, he had had his people out there last week, the likes of Gary Neville saying how professional he was, etc., etc. But for me, it still remains. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. I haven't still had enough clarification. Anyway, today he's got showdown talks with his new boss, Nuno Espirito Santo, who actually admitted last week that he hadn't spoken to Harry Kane. So then get off on the on the perfect start. What is the point of this conversation, Gregor Robertson? What is the point? <laughs> well, the one we're having now. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I think, you know, Nuno's fairly kind of hard-nosed, straight up. Um, but it's not actually anything to do with him. I think it's between Daniel Levy and, and Harry Kane. And I don't know, Harry Kane, there must have been moments in the last... Uh, last week when he saw Jack Grealish go to Manchester City for a sum of money that was that was in black and white in his contract, that he must have thought, I've made a massive error here. Um, you know, trying trying to come to a gentleman's agreement or whatever with with the uh, with a chief executive or a, or the hierarchy of a football club, it's lunacy. So he's in a difficult position. There's no way that I've I've no you know some people are coming out clearly. Tottenham fans will be angered by the fact that he, any sign of him looking to force through a move. I have no problem with that from footballers nowadays because it's now or never for Harry Kane. Really, you know he's approaching that age where it has to happen now. And people talk about him signing a six-year contract. Didn't have to do it again. That may have been bad advice, but nowadays clubs want to tie tie their best players to long-term contracts as well and that's how they get the best salaries so um, I think he's in a difficult position but if he does look to force through this move I would have no problem with it I think that is part of modern football nowadays a player has to players have power and they have to try and exert that sometimes if they want to make the most of what is a a short and limited career Alison is it right to force a move through? Not so sure. I agree with Gregor on that, actually. I I think last season we spoke about how Harry Kane's agent is his brother and maybe he needed to have people representing him who were just a bit more in the shark mould than the family mould. And Gregor's completely right when he says Harry Kane will be thinking, oh, I might have screwed up because I've been relying on goodwill and gentlemen's agreements and private chats. I mean, they're, they're meaningless. They really are worthless. But, you know, if you're going to, if, if you get a whopping great salary in return for committing long term to a club, that's the deal, isn't it? You don't get a whopping great salary for saying, I might be here for six weeks. And it doesn't have a sure. whopping great salary. He gets, he gets, what do you mean there's no whopping great salary? He gets £200,000 a week 
and he signed a six-year deal. When he signed there in 2018, that was a whopping salary. No, six months earlier, Alexis Sanchez had been given 391000 a week at Manchester United. Yaya Torre was sitting on Manchester City's bench for about three hundred and fifty and never appearing. So well, that just, that at just that point in time, to, Kane to scored 30 goals a year, uh, that year in the Premier League. He was a top scorer and he signed a 200k a week deal. Vastly underpaid for what he does at that point in time. But for me, the longevity of the contract was basically him having an agreement with Daniel Levy to say, right, I won't destroy the wage structure. I'll sign a six-year deal. I probably want a three-year extension. Give me 200k a week. I, I honestly think it was the proposed Messi Barcelona contract, half as much for twice as long. Or you could just say he's not been represented adequately. Well, I agree with that. But the point is, regardless of comparisons, and I'm not sure that's always relevant because you're dealing with the club you're dealing with. He he made a pact with, I don't know, it's not the devil, is it? But he made a pact to make long-term future, salary sorted. It's a nice situation to be in. If if he feels, <laughs> if you're saying, if you're saying Hugh, in some in some weird way, he was being sacrificial and accepting less then he felt he should be accepting because he felt he had freedom. And that's the, the, the most naive statement I've ever heard in football. That's not how business works. You, you make your, you make, you, you create, you, you have a deal or you don't have a deal. The frills of conversations or how well you do or do not get on with the owner are irrelevant. And I honestly think what this shows more than anything else is why on earth would anyone with star quality or who believes in themselves, who thinks they might improve, would want to sign for Spurs if they've got options. Because it's like going to blooming jail. You can't get out of it. I interviewed Luka Modric about this. He was really keen not to stir stir things up and say just how upset he was at um, being let down by the promises that were made about how easy it would be for him to leave if the right club came along. But they drew it out and and he said it was painful to be told, of course we'll let you go. And then you know, no one came out with the pen. No one would sign anything. No one would let him go. We had to keep asking and asking and knocking on Daniel Levy's door and saying, oh, but uh, actually you did say I could go. I mean, it's that sort of club with a reputation for, 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 for handshakes being meaningless. You've just got to, ridiculous, ridiculously naive set of circumstances for Kane. And he's in huge danger, I think, of the fans who've adored him for so long starting to mm, think, well, you know, well, does he not love us? What, why was he playing for us? What's going on? We thought he was one of our own. It's what we've been singing for the last God knows how many years. So it's, it's, it's very, very messy. And he just comes, him and his people come out of it looking incredibly naive. And, you know, we all go on holiday, but we do not turn our phones off for the whole time. I mean, you do not sit on the beach and think I'm having no contact at all. That just makes him look naive. Oh, no, I've been sunning myself. I didn't really know what I thought I was allowed to. It's, 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 he knew what was going it's important, on. But it's important to see, although it's going over all ground, that the landscape has changed at Spurs since he signed that contract. So Harry Kane would love to stay at Tottenham his whole career. I think we know that. All of us know that in our heart of hearts. If they were going to challenge for the trophies and they were on a trajectory when he signed that, when there was a new stadium there, they were a manager who they all had great affinity with and you know, Champions League final was in store. They had, you know, the club was on an upward curve. It looked to be. And the last two years particularly have been a disaster. You know, we've been through all that, so we don't have to go over that ground again. And I think it's, he's, he's entitled to look at 
the situation he's in now and think differently to how he felt when he when he signed that contract. Clearly, the length of the contract is his biggest. If he'd signed a four-year deal, he'd be in a strong, much stronger position. So yes, he's had bad advice, but he's entitled to change how he feels after signing a contract that, that would have tied him to a club he loves, his boyhood club, for most of the rest of his career. That's naivety again, isn't it? No, no club stays the same. No club has a trajectory you can guarantee. Man City can. That's why he wants to leave now. <laughs> Tom, what should Kane do next? I mean, what should he do next? <clears throat> well, I suppose the it's what he's what he's done already to an extent. I mean, or what he should have done. I, I think you either I think you stick to your to your guns one way or another. I was surprised to see. I mean, if you are going to go on strike, I think you stay you stay there because I think he's already. He's already, you know, you spoke about the idea of him, Tottenham fans questioning being one of our own and us singing his name. I don't, they'll never forget this. Whatever happens, they'll never forget this. They might continue to sing his name and he'll go back and end up playing for them this season and they'll cheer him on. And I don't think he's a real badge kisser, but um, it will revert to that. But I still don't think they'll ever forget this. It's going to be a real big blot in his time there. I think going back to the idea of striking in the first place, the fact the fact he did was a surprise, but it, it, it made me laugh that you had people saying that, you know, you look at Grealish and his situation and Kane in, in his situation and comparing the two, the, the, this the professionalism of Grealish he's gone to Aston Villa back reported for training and he's but all that did was showed you the two situations the two transfer situations where one was happening it was all you know it's it's been agreed for weeks it's happening Grealish knew that he knew he was on his way there so it was all why would he not go to Aston Villa's training the fact a, a guy like Harry Kane who Let's be honest, we actually, we don't know loads about, but what we do know about him is this kind of very, um, the first word I was going to say was loyal, but um, uh, he's been, he's a very respectable guy or has been throughout most of his career and reliable guy. So for him to kind of hit the, the nuclear button, which this is in football, is it was shocking. But it also depends on the situation of the clubs as well. And, and you know, Tottenham, I, I, dealing with Tottenham and dealing with Daniel Levy isn't the same as other clubs. I mean, a gentleman's agreement was absolutely naive. And it's, that is the key word throughout the last six years or three years of this story since the first agreement was made. But Daniel Levy is also the kind of guy who, even though, even if he does a contract for say four years, if he decides he wants to move you on, he'll start pushing to move you on. He won't really, you know, I remember the stories Peter Crouch has told about him trying to push him out of the club in the past. So it's, it's not, the same situation at Tottenham. He's he's a guy who he's a he's a chairman who plays by his own rules, um, and and that again goes back to the naive element of the gentleman's agreement. Tom made the, the, a very salient point that if anyone listened to me saying that Harry Kane, I have no problem with Harry Kane trying to force through a move, is surprised by that view, then it it basically goes from the fact that. 
the overwhelming majority of these situations are in the other. The club is the one trying to force the player out, and they don't really tend to respect the contract. And that, of course, of course, a player can stick around, but they can make their life very hard, very difficult. And you know, if you're looking at a downward step on lower money, then you've got to have a conversation about come to come to agreement on the remainder of the contract, and they're not very easy to deal with. And those that that happens far more often than this. So the club is. You know, players have more power than they used to, but the club is still the still the party with most power. So, if a player really wants to do something about that, he's got to he's got to. You can't be the Mister Nice Guy all the time. And I agree with Tom again. Harry Kane's first mistake here was not not turning up for training. It was backing down after the first sign of any sort of fans' discontent. What did they expect? I also think as well, Hugh. You asked the question earlier about what is the point in this meeting with Nuno today. I think it is big in a way because of the fact he started to back down, which is to do with the fans. But until the transfer window closes, I think he's still going to be he's still going to be very determined to leave. But if Nuno in this meeting today, if Nuno convinces him or at least begins to convince him that the future isn't so bleak at Tottenham, then it's a step in the right direction. Um, and there's already been, from Tottenham's perspective, there's already been a step in the right direction. And when I saw when I saw Gary Jacob write yesterday, break the news about um, this Lautaro Martinez deal with Inter Milan. I mean, it, it, it's a bit threatened now by the situation with Lukaku. But if Lautaro Martinez went there, I mean, I really like him as a, as a player. If it, you know, if Nuno could sell the way they would play together, no then <laughs> if they sign Messi, they're not winning the league. There's not, there's no, there's yeah, no player yeah. coming to the club that's going to make it's, them title yeah. winners. No, I agree. It's about, it's about where he is in his career and where Spurs are, and the the latest sort of re- reincarnation of a new project. So it's too late for all that. He's got to go. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. It's not. This isn't. No player is going to. You know, it would. It would. God, the amount of money it would cost to put to become make Tottenham a title contender. I'm not saying that. What what I'm saying is it's to, it's it's more towards coaxing him away from this striking position, which he he already has backed down from, and just and just keeping him on side as much as possible. To you know, Nuno spoke the other day about dealing with this internally. That's what they're desperately trying to do. But I agree, it's the it's the the Levy meeting is 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 more important. Um, I just think I just think that that the fact they've not spoken yet, looking from outside. If I was Harry Kane, sat on the beach in Bahamas or on the golf course in Florida, looking at you know Tottenham's pre-season game against Chelsea the other day, I'd think, what what the hell is the future looking like here? What's really interesting is if they try and play him against City. Well, I think that's part of you know that's part of the reason why um, he was trying to why he was trying to come back later than he did. But the I think that I don't think they'd be silly enough to try and get him on the field in that game. I'd be amazed if he played in that game. It'd be interesting to see what he would do. That's what I'm saying. That's a that's a good play right. for Daniel Levy. Oh, go on there. You're yeah. gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna pull an injury. You're gonna. What, what, what's your next play if you have one? It's, it's all politics now. Alison, how do you think this all ends? When Nuno was appointed, I think a lot of people were thinking, well, 
this is this is a surprise but also well lucky him you know the players he's got at his disposal if if harry kane doesn't leave but he's he's going to have a real job on his hands if harry kane does leave how does he rebuild from there i from what i can gather from nuno's character he won't be interested at all in having a sulky harry kane on his hands or having to deal with him as a prima donna type or having to worry about what comes next with him whether he's giving it all the way he has done before. I just, weirdly, I think Nuno would be quite happy for him to go and for him to stamp his own identity on the team and build afresh. Because there are, I mean, I know they're not going to win the title, but there are some, there are some good players at Spurs. It's possible to have life without Harry Kane. I think it would be quite draining if for some reason he, he stays and it's, it's always the story always the story and if Kane did play against City isn't it just a basic case of the the most glaring shop window in the universe and it just makes everything sort of clink into place oh yes City need him and didn't he play well and Spurs are happy because they can get the the dosh they wanted in the first place I don't think it's a complete oh he can't play I'd have thought he'd want to I just can't see it. If it was me, I would still be on the beach in the Bahamas. I don't know why he's come back, to be perfectly honest. I don't get it. I mean, what what's he coming back to do? I mean, he's, he's apparently isolating at the Spurs training ground as well. So I imagine he's going to be doing a little bit of training instead of isolating during that five-day period um, and then going back to a room in Spurs Lodge. But I don't really see how it's resolved. You have to. I agree with Gregor. You've got to use your player power. The player's only power in the situation is his his... Um, his effort, his work, you know, if you don't go out on the pitch, you can sway the situation. You can af- affect the fee because you're showing everyone how unhappy you are. You can affect the club that owns you by saying, look, we've got a player here that probably we're not going to get the best out of, so we might as well sell him. You can affect Manchester City as well because they know that you desperately want to go there. So yeah, he's got to. I mean, it's all because there's no release clause in his contract, but he has to do something. We should We should also look at it from briefly from Spurs' point of view, in that they're asking for more than what 100 million has been widely spoken about. And I think he should be worth more than Jack Grealish. Spurs have a point. You know, they say, well, you're, we've, not, we've not had the valuation met that we, we think you're worth. So, But what do you think he's worth? Because they think he's worth 160 million. Yeah, look, we had this conversation to end, towards the end of last season about it's kind of a bit unpalatable to think about these sums of money being bandied around after the year we've just experienced. But it seems that clubs are really not bothered about that in the slightest. So, I mean, maybe 120. But I don't I like to, to agree. You know, I think now that Jack Grealish is, they've just paid 100 million for Jack Grealish, that strengthens Spurs' hand as well. So, I think City would have to stump up a little bit more than they want to to get him. Well, how much is he worth? I don't know. Um, it's difficult with the age, isn't it? I mean, he, th- he thinks he can continue playing well into his 30s. Um, and I think he thinks he can come even even deeper. He'll be in goal again soon. Um, <laughs> but but I I do think I I do think if we're talking about the in comparison to other deals and other valuations around at the moment, I think he's you're looking at 130 million <clears throat> at the at the bottom, and I think that's partially why Tottenham are talking about or. Tottenham value him at 160 million because if you're going to be meeting anywhere in the middle, 
it's 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 at around about 130 million it's just i mean it's a it's a hell of a lot of money and and i just it still amazes me i mean we'll talk about Grealish, but it amazes me that they've city have done Grealish ahead of him um also i think the issue here is a lot of people assume that this is daniel levy again he's gonna eke it out until the very last minute get every penny he possibly can and then the deal can happen because there's an element of precedent there with Gareth Bale. The difference, but we're in a totally different context to the Gareth Bale deal, because first of all, that was a world record sum. Second of all, Tottenham were at a totally different moment back then where they were on the up and they were going to, they couldn't really say no to Bale anymore and they couldn't Turn, they, they were going to use the money to push on even further. They're in a huge descendancy and a massive sort of crossroads of losing the manager who'd got who'd guided them on the way, um, a brand new manager coming in who's not necessarily well, he's not tested at this level yet, with a squad that has needed entirely rebuilding. So to let your star asset go for a sum that's far cheaper than you ex- you believe and you value when he's still got three years left on a contract and you don't need to be forced to sell him. And you probably would wager that come the transfer window closing, he would get back on side. I wouldn't do it if I was Tottenham and I don't think it will happen. While we're talking huge sums of money, there was a British transfer record fee. We've mentioned it already, £100 million paid by Manchester City for Aston Villas, formerly of Aston Villa. Jack Grealish, 25 years old, he signed a six-year contract as well. Um, It left some fans basically saying, what's the point? You know, the, the impression on many after this deal was City are buying the league. I think they were pretty strong before Jack Grealish arrived. So I wondered, Alison, whether you think He'll have much of an impact. There's only so many points you can get. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i slightly baffled by this one I, because it's like, I, it feels to me that Pep Guardiola is buying um, a project because he's a bit bored. Jack, Jack, the things I like about Jack Grealish are his fearlessness and um, his immediate impact when he plays and just the way that most defenders can't really handle him. So he wins so many free kicks and he, he, none of them seem to bother him. He gets hacked down, you know, bounces back up onto his feet with his tiny shin pads and keeps going and he's exuberant. And I think he has um, a sort of real, his personality on the pitch matters. Um, there's, there's something joyous about all that. And yet, this is this is not. These are not everything I've just described. Is not really the Pep Guardiola way at all. He'll be told to do things in a certain way and to blend in in a certain way. I just can't believe Pep's bought the bouncy Jack and will just say, "Do what you like. You're the you're the key player." Um, you move where you want to move. You link up with who you want to link up with. You forge partnerships where you see them. It's it's not going to be like that. The way we've seen Phil Foden's progress 
um, but blossom, but also be restrained by Pep wanting him to be perfect before he puts him in a certain place or withdraws him after too many minutes. Not not enough minutes. He just we've had this problem with who Pep trusts to do what where, and it's just it's just it's just. I don't know. It's like it's like a comp, the best comp kid going to a private school and being told he has to wear his tie the right way. I I don't I don't know if it's good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's good for Jack or or it's just I don't know. I just it just something doesn't feel quite right to me. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Sorry. That's quite exciting. I think all of that. I, I kind of agree that you're. It's like it's slightly surprising, but I don't think at the same time we should kind of. Just because Jack Grealish was such a you know totemic figure for for Villa and a played you know a maverick, doesn't mean he can fit he can't fit into a system you know finely tuned system that Manchester City and uh, play with under Pep Guardiola. So I think it's quite exciting. I think I'm I'm fascinated to see how how well if if he can step up another level again playing with better players and you know those kind of short sharp passes around the penalty area and 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 add in something that City don't have which is a kind of a guy who gets the ball and always wants to make the difference always wants to change the game to win the game to beat a player to do something off the cuff so I think I think any team having a player who can do that makes an, a valuable addition but do you Greg do you really think Pep Guardiola is going to let him be that player I think you'll want him to be you'll want to Tell him where to, which areas to be in, and then he'll allow him to do that. Yes, I think a lot of Pep Guardiola's things, uh, attacking kind of patterns, are about getting, making sure that the the two wingers are basically playing on the touchline. He, he could play as a number eight. He's he's flexible. He could in that system. He could be like alongside De Bruyne and a deeper line, deeper line midfielder. So he's got that vision. He can drive for, through from from midfield. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he's used. Um, and I, as I say, I'll say it again. I don't think, I don't think that's all that Jack Grealish can do. I think that he's played in a team where he's grown to be the star of the team and the guy everyone just wants to get him the ball. Like he won't be that. He won't be that for Manchester City. You could argue that Dev, Kevin De Bruyne is that almost that kind of figure for Manchester City. Um, and I think Grealish has the ability to have a similar kind of impact for them. So I, th- I think it's going to be fascinating to watch personally. No, well, I hope you're right. I just, I can just see, I can just, I can just see the sparkle going out of his eyes ever so slowly. <laughs> Tom, what do you think? I agree with all of the above, which makes this, uh, for me, the most intriguing transfer for years and years and years. And I just, it just amazes me. It feels like another pet move in that it, <laughs> it's. It's not the player they need at all. Um, and I just think it's, you know, he's, where does he go? Where does Grealish go this year? It feels like a, it, it might be similar to the Mares deal in a way where he needs that year to settle in at the very least. But there's, there's, there's there are similarities to be drawn there. It's like he's the lead singer of a rock band joining a barbershop quartet. Um, it's he's he's got the ability to kind of do it to an extent, but he's going to need to to settle into the way things work here. Um, but I just I can't believe they've not got a striker in. For me, if they, if they'd got 
if they'd got Kane instead of Grealish, they would have been um, an absolute certainty, uh, as much as you can have in football, an absolute certainty to win the league this year. If Chelsea get Lukaku, which it looks almost certain they will now, then I see Chelsea as favourites if City don't get Kane. I think the other thing to, to add is it's like, you know, we think where does he fit into this team? I think Johnny Noscroft wrote a really good piece in the Sunday Times the weekend where he's pointing out that it's a little bit old-fashioned now to think of the starting eleven. It's about having a really, really strong 20-plus squad, 20-plus man squad. And there are players, I think Bernard, Bernardo Silva being one, who are kind of coming to the end of... Uh, of their acceptance of being a guy who plays 25 games a season and he wants to move on. And so I think there probably is a little bit of regeneration to be done in the squad this summer for Manchester City. They're trying to get some players out. And Jack Jack Grealish is an upgrade on Silva, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I think we wouldn't be too surprised to see one or two of the, the wingers that make you think, why does he need Jack Grealish moving on? And then Jack Grealish stepping in is, is an upgrade in my view. Just finally on this, Alison, if it is Grealish and Kane by the end of the window, is that it? City's title, we can all go home. Yeah, I think I agree with Tom. It's it's the Kane. Well, it's getting a, st- a good striker in. I think they um, well, they clearly know how to win the league by sharing out the goals. But there would be something very uh, compelling about having a striker of of Kane's caliber, not necessarily Kane, but of Kane's caliber in there to. Uh, to just you know, the the most the most frustrating thing about City is they'll play these lovely thirty pass moves or they'll dominate possession, and then you think, well, what have you got at the end of it? What have you got? You didn't score. I mean, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But when they don't, you just think, really, all that energy. It's just so if they have someone who just sort of taps it in, sometimes that that does make it more likely to be their their title than Chelsea's. And yet they still outscored the rest of the league. Yeah, no, it works. It does. It does work, which 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 is which means if they have the extra element of a reliable out and out striker, you've got to say, wow, they they can they can go for all options here. They can win all types of football matches. <laughs> Should make our predictions on Thursday pretty straightforward for title winners if they do a. Conceal a Harry Kane move by then, but we'll see what happens over the coming weeks with City and uh, the Tottenham striker. Up next, something that's definite already, Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona and we'll also find out what's going on at Inter Milan. But remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And for more award-winning journalism, get yourself a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. You can get it on all of your devices. Sign up today for one month free. Just search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to get yourself started. Well, Lionel Messi gave a tearful press conference on Sunday, confirming his exit from Barcelona and ending his 21 years at the club. The record six-time Ballon d'Or winner is now a free agent and likely to sign a two-year deal at Paris Saint-Germain. £25 million signing on fee and around £20 to £25 million per season in wages, if reports are to be believed. Messi had claimed that a deal was agreed with Barcelona, but the Liga financial rules would block it. He said, it was like my blood ran cold 
when he found out the news. Let's speak to the Times' Ian Hawkey. Was your reaction the same? Yes, it's been very confusing because the, the two key parties involved, the club and the player, seem to be committed and and agreed on on the circumstances under which he could could stay. And then and then Barca stepped back very suddenly, very abruptly, and I think genuinely to the great surprise of Messi and uh, his advisors, which is chiefly his father. Um, and, and yeah, I think they were genuinely stunned and naturally the club, the city, quite a lot of football is, is, is stunned by this because, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's all quite surreal really because, because it seemed like this, this wonderful, unique marriage was, was going to continue even further. It will be utterly disorientating for Barcelona and, and their supporters. And, and I think going somewhere else, quite suddenly as it were will be disorienting for for Messi and and emotionally difficult because he he was genuinely committed to to being at Barcelona for another 2 years in his mind he was he was happier with that obviously than than he was a year ago when he actually wanted to go and couldn't. I find it to be mental torture and I'm, I'm sort of torn as to whether we should have these in England or not but the press conference when a club and a player goes separate ways is very strange, even if they're great players. We saw Sergio Ramos the same, you know, standing there being lauded for what he's done at the club whilst at the same time saying, I'm desperate to stay and everyone asking why on earth it's happening. What did you think of that press conference? You're right, actually. And I, and I think um, I, 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 perhaps I've become accustomed to it. There was It was similar in many ways when Guardiola left Barcelona, but clearly that, you know, that was... That was driven by Guardiola's desire, ambition, fatigue at the time. Then, as with Messi, you know, the entire first team squad were there taking up journalist seats. And yeah, yesterday was very, very ritualized. There was there were hugs from all the the colleagues afterwards. Um, and and yes, it is bizarre because it, it's almost it's almost masochistic, isn't it? That that Real Madrid are there lauding this player, and by implication, because of what Sergio says saying we can't afford it. Similarly, Barcelona yesterday, which is um, which makes its own point in Barcelona's case towards the, the financial restrictions of La Liga, and, and that's a point that they certainly want to make powerfully. But it, it's a little bit too self-deprecating, isn't it, for the clubs? Clubs who claim to be the grandest club in the world saying, yeah, listen, we're a bit skint. It's odd. But there's also a long history here, particularly with Barcelona. Barcelona have this very, very unpleasant history of their superstars leaving under unpleasant circumstances. Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, you can go back further. And this is a little bit embarrassing. So, so you know, there's, there's also a sort of civilised corporate gloss on this one, although we, won't, we haven't heard the end of it. You know, the, the blame game of where it went wrong uh, with, with Messi will go on and on and on and on and fingers will be pointed at, well, fingers are being pointed at La Liga, at the, the previous president and his regime that left the club in such financial problems. And inevitably, uh, you know, there will be the question, at what point was, was it plausible that Messi could have been asked or volunteered to say, OK, you can pay me a little bit less? You know, that, that is the, that's the question that's left hanging. That conversation, according to Messi, didn't happen. So, you know, he's, he's off the hook there. Uh, just further to this, there's another set of villains waiting in this. Is It's the other members of a overpaid Barcelona squad who haven't 
been prepared to lower their wages. Now, why should they? You could reasonably ask. But last night, actually, they played a friendly against Juventus and and a couple of players were whistled. And it, it's clearly because they have been identified as individuals who are being paid too much, cheating their living. And because they're being paid too much, they could have said, oh, cut my wages, so Leo can say. Very simplified, but you know this is a perception. On that blame game, how much blame do you think La Liga and the president of La Liga, Javier Tabas, have to shoulder here? The rules have been around since uh, 2013. They can't. They are made from a position of responsibility. You know, you will. There will be financial fair play in operations, so clubs don't overspend and then go bankrupt. There are many reasons for these rules to exist, and we can look at English football and say if something similar had happened, particularly in the lower divisions, then um, English football might be in a better condition. So the rules are the rules. They're known to everybody. Um, I think there is an argument that because of the pandemic and the huge impact that has had on on income and revenues, maybe, maybe there was more of a case for La Liga to say, okay, these are our rules, but because of this unprecedented circumstance we can be a bit more flexible over this year and next year or whatever so there are you know that there are legitimate arguments to say that might have happened joanne laporta says the debt at barcelona is 1.2 billion euros um the pandemic losses that you mentioned he says will be 487 million euros as well the club though is still holding on to the idea of a European Super League or bust, I presume. Well, that's certainly the that that's certainly the narrative because you know that 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 presents a Super League as the sole and urgent uh, solution to a malfunctioning uh, system. Um, it, this this is going to be with us for a long time. Um, uh, clearly, you know, clearly the Super League in its last manifestation was uh, was a total failure, but the idea of it persists. And the problem that traditional super clubs have with uh, the nouveau riche clubs is going to persist. Um, that Barcelona and Madrid will argue that they are entities that generate their own income through football and from football, and they are in an uncompetitive marketplace when the likes of Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City, to a certain extent Chelsea, and you could think of some others, are getting an influx of income from outside the game, uh, which is which is far greater than Barca, Madrid, etc. can generate. Um, yeah, so this, this, this rivalry will go on and this summer will present it in possibly the starkest light ever in terms of the transfer market if you see who is spending money and who who is having to lose their stars because they say in very public press conferences we can't afford them anymore paris demands the destination uh yes absolutely and messi was very dignified yesterday and very honest uh, and, and told us all he was being very transparent um yeah he did say yeah talks are underway so um there's no you know they Clearly, Paris Saint-Germain are way ahead in any race if there is a race. And uh, yeah, it, it, it looks extremely likely now. I mean, these deals, because of their scale and because of the people involved, they they don't get done overnight. You know, apart from the salary, the signing on fee, they, you know, there'll be all sorts of intricate stuff about image rights and so on. But uh, PSG will be able to find the money. Uh, Messi wants to play football. So, you know, they're good for them. 
those are the key drivers. Just quickly, let's head to Italy then. Inter Milan look like they're selling Romelu Lukaku to Chelsea. £97.5 million is what's being quoted in the newspapers. Uh, they've already lost Ashraf Hakimi to PSG. That was one that the fans didn't want to see happen, but they thought it would mean they would hold on to the likes of Lukaku. But it's not just him who could be leaving. Lautaro Martinez being linked with a move to Spurs. That's around 60 million. It makes me think that Spurs will probably miss out on him, but someone else uh, will come in for him who can afford the 60 million as well because he's a vastly talented player. But the Inter fans must be devastated right now. Uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it, it's devastating, especially as they've you know they've they've just um, it, you know made history by winning a title after after so long being in Juventus's uh, shadow. They, they've got themselves into a a, a very sticky uh, financial situation, and there's no choice but but to sell. Uh, Lukaku was was happy and thriving there, but 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 you know he's acknowledged that that this is the only way, and and you know he'll be he'll relish the. The new challenge. The Lautaro situation is quite interesting. His slightly unfairly, I think, his stock may have fallen a little bit over the last year or so. He is, you know, he's a really, he's a really talented centre forward. And um, in the old days, sixty million would have seemed a good price for him. Um, you know, he was he was close to going to to Barcelona uh, last year. Although we now know that actually they couldn't have afforded it, but there was a lot of talk about it he'll be a very good signing for somebody I think he will be yeah but but on Inter Milan's owners in particular we know their business and their club uh, in China they had to close are they in the right position right now to be the owners of a club as big as this clearly not you know if you want um, if you want if you want fit and proper people to be in charge of football and all its heritage and all its importance to the the city and the community it's in yeah clearly you want you want it to be less of a, a, a wild west. Uh, I mean, Inter aren't unique for that, although they are quite a spectacular example of uh, how things have gone wrong. And, and uh, you know, it's a complicated line back to ownership within China and changing political situations uh, on the other side of the world, which, you know, which would obviously impact on, on what's happening to, uh, you know, a, a very, very proud club in northern Italy, who have spent spent years on this sort of roller coaster of trying to retain their foothold among the among the elite of Europe, and and you know have 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 gone elsewhere to to try and find the investment, and you know they're not unique for that. But um, yeah, it's 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 hard to see how this ends up with a stable Inter in in the short or medium term. It's uh, it, it's pretty chaotic there. Well, it was emotional for me. Um, Almost brought a tear to the eye to see Lionel Messi leave Barcelona without the fanfare that he deserves from all of their fans inside a packed camp now. But it is what it is, as they say. Um, Tom, were you feeling emotional when you saw it? Yeah, I was. I I don't think you can can help it, especially... I, I don't know whether... I'm sure that's not the way he would have wanted to go out at Barcelona. And I don't mean that in terms of, um, I don't mean that in terms of being sort of pushed out when he doesn't want to leave and they don't want him to go. I mean, in terms of being in front of a press conference, sort of blubbing away um, because he's so distraught about it all. 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's a there's a slight element of irony. I mean, things can change so much, but there is a slight element of irony that he did want to go last year um, and was pushing for that so much for it all to to change to change this year round. Um, but I, f- I felt I did feel sorry for him and. It felt almost, it felt like a funeral to an extent, didn't it? The way, the way the other players were sat looking mournfully on. Um, but, and, and also I, it, it feels this year like a real negative point for Spanish football in general. <clears throat> because Barcelona are, are, we were talking about clubs being on the descendancy. I mean, Barcelona are a real difficult point at the moment where they're losing a guy like Lionel Messi. Um, and where do they kind of go from here? But it makes, it makes for an absolutely fascinating situation this season because if he does end up going to PSG, which it looks almost certain that he will now, I mean, how does how does that work at PSG? You you just assume you, you'd assume they would be even stronger in terms of of the Champions League, which is their absolute holy grail. Um, but also for for balancing out, I mean, we've always spoken about PSG as being a team of sort of galacticos and superstars and how do you sort of fit them all together i mean Mauricio pochettino has gone from spending five years at tottenham where he never quite got the players he wanted to getting i mean donnarumma ramos and messi all in all in hakimi all in one summer i mean it's a one of the dream transfer wish lists isn't it um but how do you balance those egos in that squad I'll tell you, I'll give you the answer to that. It's Wijnaldum. That's how you do it. <laughs> Don't forget Ander Herrera as well. There's some real quality in that midfield. Um, I found the whole press conference, I remarked to Ian a few moments ago, slightly odd. I, was, I found myself more and more angered at the other players in the squad at Barcelona. Not for accepting the massive contracts that have put the club in this position. You know, they never saw the pandemic coming. And you're always going to sign the contract that's put before you if it's generous but mainly now being worthless. Um, So they can't get them out of the club even if they wanted to because they've been so poor over the past couple of seasons, the vast majority of them. To see them all sort of mourning Lionel Messi as if their contracts and and their performances weren't the reason that he was forced to leave. Yes, okay, mismanagement. You're all screaming at me now from the club in previous years as well because it was a huge wage bill. Some of the salaries given out were just, I mean, unthinkable, unbelievable over the past few years. And I think it's, this situation is one of the, maybe we'll look on it like a Leeds United situation. You know, one of the things that we'll say football was massively out of hand. A club as big as Barcelona couldn't afford to pay its players, basically. Um, how big is this generally, Gregor? Yeah, I mean, Barcelona were the first club to generate a billion euro turnover. Um, and it is just, you know, I was reading an extract from Simon Simon Cooper's book about Barcelona and, and he was... It is kind of, I, that came to mind, Leeds United, Pierre Risdale, but like on acid. <laughs> it's like some of the sums and some of the negotiating tactics where like, I think uh, for Usman Dembele, they, were, they had a ceiling of 80 million euros and then they virtually spent double that because the agent just played hardball. And they were so desperate to to bring, bring in big names after selling Neymar. It's all kind of, 
it's all like uh, I nearly said something rude there, but you know, swinging your thingy around <laughs> as, the, as the president. It is. It's kind of you know trying to make big statements and and rather than kind of a, a concerted, coherent strategy to 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 assemble in a squad. But you know, I, I have sympathy for Messi because clearly, this as you say, he. His his contracts have tripled and something like that, tripled his salary in the last five years or something. So that's that's great for him. Fair play to him for trying to get it. But the players that you're talking about there, they they saw that and they went. They, you know that's why their salaries rose as well. They saw how much Messi was, how much more that he was earning them. And of course, he should earn the most, but the gulf shouldn't be too great. And that that helped kind of swell Barcelona's debts over the years. So it's just an absolute mess. And I think more and more will come out. Um, but personally, there's another part of me was looking at it and thinking this is a blessing disguise for Barcelona because they have an enormous, enormous clearing of the decks ahead of them and they're going to go through some serious pain. And to have a brooding, ageing, global star like Messi, he would not have been a happy passenger on that journey, I don't think. So I think, that, you know, although... It's been said that he generated something like a third of the revenue as well at one point when he, you know, he's at his peak of his powers. That's another, that's another enormous blow. Um, but for what's ahead of Barcelona now, having having Messi, who has also come to be to come to be a bit of a, it's not these, it's not these a, a a troubling figure in the changing room, but he's, he's he knows he has a lot of power, and you know, young players who come into the team. There's been stories about him kind of. Basically saying you you exist to pass the ball to me. You know he knows he knows he is the best player on the planet, and he's he has an ego that follows that. So I don't think with with what what lies ahead for Barcelona in the next few years, Messi's departure is going to be seen as the end of the world. Alison, what do you make of all of it? A lost opportunity for football to give us something surprising and beautiful. I'm baffled by how fast it all moved and that there wasn't another solution. I mean, PSG say they can they can abide by financial fair play by paying his salary because of the amount he gives them in terms of merchandising and so on. He's an asset in terms of income. So there must have been some sort of mathematical formula that would have allowed Messi to stay if you'd really wanted to. So I didn't find it emotional at all. I'm fine you were dabbing I'm surprised you were dabbing at your eyes, Hugh, because having having nearly sobbed over almost every British gold medal at the Olympics, um, because they were all genuine. Everything about that was genuine. I didn't I didn't buy into the the press conference at all. I mean he was dabbing his nose more than his eyes. It was I don't know, it didn't look right to me at all. And his kids were completely unbothered at the front on the front <laughs> seats. They weren't upset. And you know, I did it just felt very peculiar the whole setup and it was it all got felt like it'd been rushed through. I think he was genuinely shocked by how fast everything moved. But I can't, I just, the lack of imagination in terms of coming up with a solution that doesn't mean you've got Lionel Messi playing for a club that you, you know, in your, you'd hope would you would might meet them in the semifinals of the Champions League or something. I mean, why do that? Why do that to the world? Why have the possibility of Lionel Messi scoring against the club that made him and the club he made in the biggest trophy? I don't, I don't know. It just seems like there was just a, a panic, almost like a panic of, 
rather than as Gregor has intimated that there was this sense of well maybe it's good for us we need to we need to we need to move on beyond the messy years his ego is too big his power is too big he costs us too much you, you could you can paint it that way but if he really wanted to stay and we all admit he's an amazing footballer why wasn't imagination applied to this so i felt i felt dissatisfied by the whole thing you're, you're missing out on the the couple of years that messi still has to kind of wow us and he's not at his peak but still an enormous force at the top level In of football Liga. no no i'm saying barcelona are missing out on that but they're also missing out on those really difficult sad bruising years where he he starts to wane seriously and what what do you do how do you deal with that i think i'll lose him at 34. oh for goodness sake gregor gregor are you when you finish this are you now appearing on a pro euthanasia podcast you can't <laughs> <laughs> well the minute a player dips you no we don't want them they're useless no, I just said, that's not what i said i said they're losing <laughs> they're missing out on probably another couple of years uh, of messi still being an enormous like for still scoring more than 30 goals a year as he has but then but, there will come a period there will come a period yes, yes, where he's when, on the slide on the wane and yes, try and leave Messi yes. out of the team try and leave that guy out of the team try and negotiate the decline of Messi of Lionel Messi for Barcelona and still be a force in the Champions League I'm saying that's a, that would be a difficult stage as well for them so they've, that's one silver lining but coming back to what you said I've read in several outlets they, they couldn't have signed them for free anyway. I know you're saying there could have been some imagination put to this, uh, you know, used behind this, but I've read they, they couldn't sign them anyway because their wage to turnover ratio is at 95%, which is already above, and they're not allowed to register any other players until others move, others move on. And as you said, they can't get them out. They've got Sergio Aguero waiting in the wings. You can't sign him until others move on. So they're in, they're in an absolute state. I think they are. It's going to be a really uh, long few years for Joanne Laporta, the president and the club itself. Because, um, look, I think we're going to see loads of Barcelona players come on loan to the Premier League this year and people will be paying like 25% of their wages, which quite be, be interesting to see, you know, Brighton with Gerard Piquet at the back and, you know, Sergio Aguero <laughs> probably on loan at Manchester City, you know, something like that. So we'll see exactly how it goes if Pep's tears were to be believed. Uh, just finally, I want to ask you all, uh, we asked this question last summer, dream destination for Lionel Messi when he wanted to go a year ago, which is why, to be fair, Alison, my tears did dry up. I suddenly, it did suddenly hit me that he tried to force his way out of the club a year ago and invoke a free transfer then. So I was like, mm, maybe he's not as sad as he, he's making out. But um, where would you like to see him? Because I think the conversation at that time was, would you rather see him in the Premier League or elsewhere? And I still believe that I'd rather he were playing at Manchester City, and I say this as a Manchester United fan, than at Paris Saint-Germain, because I want to see him every week because I think he's the best player ever. Oh, I'd, I'd like him to go to Stoke. <laughs> following in Bojan's footsteps I'd love to see him in the Premier League obviously but th there is also this kind of line of thought where you're saying oh he's just you know he's taking the, the biggest contract offer he's going to Paris Saint-Germain they will challenge for the Champions League he's not he's not suddenly you know his competitive fire is not suddenly burnt out he'll still want to win more trophies and that's a good he's got a good chance of doing it there so you know it, yes Liga is not not competitive Yes, he's going for the money. I don't blame him for that either. But this kind of painter of Paris Saint-Germain is just the easy step. He's still going to think that's a good. I've got a good chance of of winning more major silverware there. 
maybe it suits him more as well because <clears throat> if Ligue 1 isn't going to be isn't going to be as testing as the Premier League would have been on him and I think Messi still like most players at his level um views the Champions League as the the holy grail and that's what that's what PSG are after so you know if if he is on the wane then um using him wisely and in those Champions League games largely as well you know he's it's not like he's only going to play 10 games a year i'm not saying that but it's not it's not going to be as testing on a over the next couple of years on a body that is not as it was 10 years ago. Well, that's one move I think that might be confirmed by Thursday. Uh, loads for us to discuss as well, of course, on Thursday because we will look ahead in full to the start of the Premier League season. We'll be asking what's changed since the end of last term, things to look forward to as well as making our predictions. But remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a five-star review and also get yourself a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. You can get more of our award-winning journalism on all of your devices. Sign up today, you'll get yourself one month free. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to get started and we will see you on Thursday. Thursday.